Hello, actors, and welcome to episode number 21 of ActorCast. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the show and learning about how you can elevate your career as an actor, what you can do to improve your craft and to improve your career. If you haven't already done so, head to ActorCast.fm and sign up for our newsletter. When you sign up for our newsletter, you will receive the latest and greatest information when it comes to upcoming guests, showcases, and much more. So please be sure to do so at ActorCast.fm. For today's episode, we are joined by none other than Brian O'Neill. If you are not familiar with Brian O'Neill and his work, I highly recommend not only tuning into this episode, but you have to check him out. Brian is the author of Acting as a Business, Strategies for Success, which is currently in its 40th printing. Acting as a business is now considered such a vital resource that it recently won a spot on Entertainment Weekly Magazine's exclusive list of top 10 showbiz industry Bibles. Brian has worked with a variety of different actors, agencies, including Creative Artists Agency, William Morris Endeavor, ICM, Paradigm, Gersh, as well as many others, and has helped actors establish sustainable careers. It's really important, and we talk about this a bit on this podcast, but especially in this episode, as to why actors need to have a cohesive understanding of the business side of acting. And in this episode, Brian and I talk about why it's so important for actors to learn business acumen, why they must have a business mindset when pursuing their careers, We talk about the essentials that every actor must be aware of in order to keep their business in check and how they can go about developing relationships with agents and managers. We talk about some common threads that are found in successful actors, and Brian leaves us with some parting words of advice that actors must keep in mind as they pursue their careers. If you like this episode, head to ActorCast.fm. Let us know your thoughts. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your thoughts on the business of acting. What are you doing to elevate your acting business? So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest of ActorCast, Brian O'Neill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ActorCast. Today, we have Brian O'Neill joining us on the show. Brian, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Patrick, it's great to be here. Yes, I'm very excited to continue our conversation. You joined me on the Relate podcast a few months ago, and it was great having the opportunity for uh, actors and different entertainment professionals who were tuning into that show to get their feedback. And a lot of them were really engaged with, with what you were saying about the business side of acting. So I'm very excited to have you on the actor cast for our listeners who, uh, why real pretty much a majority of them are actors. And you, Great. 
you have written a book, uh, Acting as a Business. You also do a lot of coaching and teaching centered around uh, the business of acting. So I'm wondering if we could start off by exploring that a little bit. Why talk about the business of acting? This isn't something that a lot of students of the craft of acting are exposed to in school very often. Sometimes they are, but I I found that uh, a lot of times they're not. So why is this something important to discuss for actors? Um, Well, I think it's important because the actual nature of of what I do, what I I hope um, somebody very kindly, I got a great compliment from somebody who's works a lot. And he said, you, he said, you call your, class acting as a business he said and you call what you do acting as a business you call your business acting as a business he said as far as i'm concerned you could just call it professionalism he said because that's what you teach and that was one of the highest compliments i ever got so that's what it is i mean you can save time energy money by learning what kind of things um let's say you're sending stuff to an agent what might they most want to um what can you put? You know, what can your subject line be? What 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 should be in there that would make them want to first of all open it and secondly investigate and take a look at the links and there should be uh, a, a bit of your work in there at least for them to to be able to sample. So a lot of people don't. Uh, and again, it's not like that there's any really right or wrong way, but there are ways that just make more sense than others. As paralleled in other businesses, people in other businesses have often said to me, oh, this is very much like what I do in blank, only there. I said, that's right, that's what you do. You know. Also, research, finding things out, what's coming up, who's doing what, learning how to be specific when you get in touch with your agent, if you haven't heard from them a while, in a while, instead of saying, um, you know, haven't heard anything happening, you do your homework, you find out what's out there that you might be right for and why. If you do your research through various resources, there might be something coming up that requires what you are, what you have, what you can do, like a uh, an authentic dialect. You know, maybe you grew up in that part of the country. Uh, when it's a musical, I say to my students, you know, don't just say I can belt high if it's for a specific role in a specific show. Get the sheet music and say I can easily manage the high E flat and a belt in the song. These are the things that when somebody looks at it, You're putting your money where your mouth is and you're saying, I know what you need and I think I can fill that need and here are my reasons. And that is what agents do. They get they get the breakdowns, they get the information and they match up accordingly. So this can work for everybody up and down the line if everybody does things the same way. So having done just this, which is now it'll be 33 years in July, just this very thing. Wow. uh, added a has added a huge layer because i just deal with actors and their stuff all the time post representation post my years as an agent and manager you know i i really love what you're talking about uh regarding the specificity and the 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 clarity that actors need to have with regards to when they're reaching out to people reaching out to agents managers whether they're submitting roles to casting directors or submitting auditions rather I think that sort of clarity helps a lot when actors are going about finding work, doing the research, as you said, figuring out what's out there as well. I think, at least in my conversations with you, something that I've learned a lot is that 
so long as actors are willing to do a, a, a bit of that legwork, it could really work wonders, uh, you know, down the line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the truth of the matter is, in my view, <clears throat> when I show my students and I have the, you know, the good fortune and blessing to be teaching at places where there are really good, serious people, most people are eager to find out what they can do. They're eager to know that you can know what's coming up. Like, I know the theater's been on hold, but hopefully we're going to start to move back. But what's coming up? Who's doing what when? There are revivals. There are classics. There are things that premiere outside of New York that you can look up the reviews for. And you can find what they're going to be looking for six months before an agent even really gets a breakdown for it. You can prepare better. So the more you can grab some control over any of this, the more you can navigate more easily and with professionalism. So it seems like a lot at first, but I remember saying to a client once as I was showing her through all the resources, I never forgot this. It was quite a number of years ago. <clears throat> but I looked at her, I said, are you, are you finding this overwhelming? You know, Patrick? And she said, she just looked at me. She said, no, what's overwhelming is not knowing any of this. What's overwhelming is not having any idea of what's out there. You're showing me how I can rule this out because they, they, it's just going to be three men in that cast or how to rule, rule this in because there are women my age in it and there are specific things. I'm learning that this has is a revival. Okay, so, uh, or it's going to be done out of town. I'm learning how I can, you know, my three key words that I often use are awareness, specificity, and reason. And once you're aware... You can be specific and you can give people a reason. I understand that this is going on. I am aware of it. I'm sp this is the role I am interested. Here is why. As you can see by my photo, I am in this age range. Also, uh, what's required here could be a musical instrument, could be anything at all. Dialect, like I said, maybe requires a skill, maybe not. Maybe you've done plays by that playwright, uh, other plays, and you could put, um, let's say you got a couple of reviews. You could put links to that. A critic may have said how well you handled the language of Tom Stoppard, for example. All these things that I always say to actors, even if you don't hear from them, nobody will fault you for the way you asked them. Yes. You know, just know that you were asking in an intelligent way. And if for any reason unknown to us, they don't respond, you still asked the right way. You said, there's something in it for you, um, I, I believe, to consider me. And that's all that agents do. That's not all that they do, but it's a huge part of what they do. So once you learn that and you learn the resources and different ways to find things out, um, and you learn the questions that uh, agents are or managers are likely to ask you when you meet with them, and then, it make, then you understand the questions and why they would ask them and how you should answer them. So right now, I'm finishing up my spring semester um, at... at at NYU with the class of 2021 and you know which each and every student I have I have probably maybe 30 students I have two groups with about 15 each in it you know we go through all the paces of what the questions are that you're going to be most likely asked and I say to the students it's possible you could have a meeting and I won't ask any of these but these are the things and even if they talk about other things you'll still be able to draw from the answers that we scripted together that's not going to look like a script when you go in there um, you'll still be able to pull from this preparation. You'll be more com comfortable and confident 
either when you're waiting for the Zoom interview to start or when you're sitting out in the reception area, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot, that's a lot of it is uh, how to prepare, how to, how to, how to communicate, you know, in the ways that I have found. And because I've been doing it for 33 years, I get constant feedback. And I say to an actor, let me know how that agent, how that interview went. Let me know what questions he or she asked, how you felt about it. I said, because, you know, this helps me too for the next person that comes in. So I'm seeking constant feedback to what I'm suggesting. Like I had a, a student the other day had a meeting with a manager and he's selling to an agent. I said, you need to, you need to communicate. You can, you can meet with this manager. Your agent is either going to be not really care or be happy uh, that there's somebody else on board. They might be threatened by it because they know that manager can take you to another agent before too long. So that's, but you must communicate because you don't want to do anything behind the back. I want you to know that you can do this. Or at least you have to talk to them about it so everybody's on board together. Then I asked him how the meeting with the manager went and it went well. And he told me everything that the manager said that I thought the manager would say under the circumstances. Um, the first thing I said to him, the actor was, you must disclose to this manager because he does not yet know. He saw him on a, 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 you know, a presentation. And uh, I said, he does not yet know. Probably, he might have looked you up on IMDb Pro. Very, very possibly could have. Most would. I said, but, you might, but since he didn't mention it when he contacted you, he didn't say, I know that you're signed to an agency. You must disclose that to him. He has to know that you're under contract to somebody else right now. That cannot be um, a secret, a bomb you're going to drive. It can't be anything. It's, it's, it's the legal fact of the matter of your career at the moment. I said, and you're just being totally professional and upfront. And sometimes actors, to go back to your first question in a way, it's easier sometimes not to do those things, you know, that maybe I shouldn't say, or maybe I should, you know. And since it can make you feel kind of awkward, you don't do it. And sometimes the way you learn is the hard way because somebody will say, you should have told me. Right. You know, and you're like, well, I didn't know. And a lot of you didn't know because... You didn't. Um, so people, uh, the big thing used to be, and there's not as much of this going on anymore, as you know, but when there was a lot of freelancing going on and an agent would call you and clear you for a role. So I would call you and I'd say, Patrick, um, I'd like to clear you for this new series called blah, blah, blah. And this is the role. And so if you're working with three different agents, you know, I, if I called you first, typically you would give it to me. And that meant when the other two called, you had to say no, because I was your, going to be your agent of record on that. But what happened sometimes would be actors would sort of get into this sort of comfort zone. And so would the agent. So let's say you and I were freelancing. And every time I called you, you said yes. So I knew you weren't working with anybody else um, because every time I called you, you said yes. Nobody ever beat me to the punch. And then um, let's say you met an agent, which you were free to do because we are only freelancing. So a breakdown comes in. I think I'll submit Patrick on that. And then, I, but I don't do it right away. Let's say, because in my mind, you've always said yes. And then after like a half an hour, I think I should clear Patrick. I call you up and you say, oh, another agent just, because you had a meeting yesterday. But it was easier not to discuss it with me, even though I would need to know. That's when sometimes they would blow up. And they'd say, why didn't you tell me you were working with somebody else? And you're like, well, it just happened yesterday. I didn't know and you didn't know. And they would always be, their position was always 
somehow like well you should have but how could you so um (laughs) so yeah so sometimes you burn a bridge or you at least get balled out and both of them are icky one ickier than the other i think (laughs) so for uh, you know i I think this is a great conversation talking about you know how, how to communicate with agents how to communicate with managers how to develop those relationships over time because obviously once you get to that point, they do play a role in your career to, in some sense. For those oh, yeah. actors who are tuning in, who uh, perhaps are new, they're emerging, maybe they don't have an agent or manager yet, what would you recommend uh, would be the best way for these actors to develop relationships with agents and managers? I would say have some material that they can see. You know, whether it's stuff that you shot or created or whatever that you can send them a link to. Um, I had a student a couple of years ago and he sent me his website and I got back to him. I said, it's very nice, Jack. I said, but unfortunately, there's nothing on there that shows you performing. So I see 15 pictures of you. I've got your about me biography, but I'm looking for a show. So he that, so I said, don't send it to anybody because they might look at it and go, well, what the hell did you do this for? So he was had an event coming up at, at 54 Below, you know, really nice venue, nice orchestra, the whole thing. And then he had, uh, he was dressed beautifully. He came out and he did two or three, and he sent them to me. And he really can sing. I said, now we're talking. So you want, <laughs> you, you want to give them something from the get-go. And... Um, Obviously, if it's, if it's new for you, it might be not, it should be high quality. It doesn't have to be high level because, it, you know, the higher up stuff usually goes to somebody who has an agent. You know, you're probably not going to have clips from episodes of, of major TV show. Um, so you have to have stuff. They're going to want to see your training, of course, um, good pictures. But there's no reason why you can't start as long as you feel com- competitive, you know, as long as you think I can, I can do that. And that's going to be different even in different age ranges, which is why so many people who are successful uh, started out as kids without anything. They had a look, they had an energy, they had a certain talent, whatever, whatever they had. And so when you're very young like that and you don't have any credits, people don't expect you to have credits. Like I say to my students, Often, sometimes they'll say, your credits right now are that you're in a really good program. So you're a, gra- you're a 2021 graduate of the BFA program of New York University. That's your calling card. And if you don't have any good credits, it's because, well, I'm a kid and I've been in college. So that's why I don't. I know there are people my age who do, but I'm not one of them. And they're always looking for new young people like that who are well-trained. So there's no reason why, unless you're not competitive, unless you think I, you know, you, you need to work on things more that you can't start that, you know, as soon as you feel you have materials that look good, that especially now I was watching some uh, casting people did a nice, it was, a, I guess, like a Zoom thing. It was a group of people from Bernard Telsey, which is as prestigious a casting office as there is. And they were just talking about how they were finding people in the pandemic for future projects. And they were like, because they had to reach out to social media and other places because people weren't coming in in the same way. They were amazed, which is great, at how that you can find good people. They might be anywhere. 
you know, doing anything. And one of the casting directors was talking about how he had discovered uh, Clubhouse. You probably yes. know Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did too. I'd heard about it. I knew about it. I guess you need to have an iPhone to get it. Is that right? Is that yes, correct? Yes, yeah. as of now at um, least. Yeah, and he was talking. He said, I just met these amazing people on in these Clubhouse uh, events or whatever. So, I mean, and that's the Telsey office. If he called a couple of them in, great. And again, the geographics are different because there's so much. Well, right now there's the Zoom auditions, the self-tapes going out. You don't really have to be uh, in a location in the way that you once used to have to be. Now, I don't know where that's going to go post-pandemic, which I hope hope we have that. And it's not too long. That's nobody I don't think really, really. There's probably going to be some of both. You know, the stuff that's... um, the stuff that has made things easier to do will remain, I assume. And and then the stuff where they need or or people want to meet people before they hire them, even if they're auditioning well and sometimes just want to sit down. And um, so we'll see, you know. Yeah, this, this actually leads me nicely to one of the questions that we received from one of our listeners. Uh, uh-huh. He asks, what about materials submitted to agents and casting will change after the pandemic? Do I need a separate section on my resume for pandemic theater. Can I include pandemic theater on my reel? I assume uh, he means uh, theater that, you know, like zoom readings, zoom plays, things of mm-hmm. that. Like, I guess to sum up his question, how will submitting materials, do you see change? How will that change av- as you know, the world starts to open back up again? Yeah. What a great question. I don't know that you'll need a pandemic like section, you know, who knows? I don't think so. I think people are going to understand, like I've seen resumes already where someone has said, Zoom reading, Zoom reading, Zoom reading, in parentheses, after the play, just to be clear. And I don't know that it's uh, necessary, but they're just clarifying. what it, One thing that it does is it's, a, it's telling that this is the means by which it was done. We were not physically together, but we were together. And it also probably would make anybody reading it realize that it was recent because why would you see that in previous time, you know? Right. right. So, um, and yes, you will be able to use stuff. I don't know about the, uh, you know, I can't give a carte blanche on that because I don't know, uh, you know, if it's new stuff and it's not published and all of that, you would have to get clearance on that. I would just suggest certainly talking to the player or whoever, whomever and saying, can I use this? And they might say, they might say no. You know, they might say yes. They might say no. We don't know. But you should ask because you don't want to get in trouble. But um, yes, it's going to be a general, there will be stuff that you can use. And whether or not it will be uh, marked accordingly, I don't know, other than what I just said about Zoom reading, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting just... I mean, as you were saying, hopefully as the year progresses, we'll have a lot more to look forward to when it comes to different performing opportunities and different shows to go out and see. Yeah. And and yeah, and I, I, I can understand too what you're saying, that I think that that whether it be casting, agents, whoever it may be, when they see that on the resume, they're going to understand that, sure. you know, oh, okay. It's going to look good that you were doing something instead of just waiting this out. Exactly, because, yeah. Because the real players are doing stuff. You could see last year at this time, how they were trying to figure it out. Like when I think they couldn't, when they couldn't do stuff, Williamstown Live, it, they became readings and audibles, different with the with the cast. 
Um, I thought they're trying, they're trying. And that well, well, well received production of Godspell, where the, everybody, I think they were in sort of vinyl bubbles that my co teacher and casting director, Alan Filderman, directed. I, the Times did like two major articles, almost back to back. One of them, I think, was the whole front page of, of either the arts and leisure or the theater section because it was so innovative about what they did. Instead of throwing in the towel, they said, what can we do, you know? So that's uh, that's good. And also the other thing is, depending on where you're involved, many, 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 most uh, schools uh, did Zoom, I don't know if it's most, but many, did Zoom showcases. So that was interesting to watch because I'm looking like you and I are face forward and I'm here and you're there. So I thought, how, do, how are they going to do this? And of course, the uh, students were in completely different backgrounds, you know, probably at, at their mother's home. You know, so there was like, they weren't in the same room, but we understood. But they were talking like you and I are, whereas on stage or on TV, they would be facing each other. So this is the way they faced each other. And I will say, in particular, Juilliard, uh, I thought, how you know, let's just see how they rise to this challenge. And I thought it was magnificent. And even like the most jaded agents and casting directors that I knew who were like, you know, get showcase fatigue were like, wow. So there's that. And what that has led to uh, for them and for other schools is um, they can send that link, not the students, the administration can send that link to anybody they want. Like one top school here in the United States, I said, I've, I'm acquainted with the gentleman who's the artistic director and head of acting at Guildhall in London. He would love to see your showcase. Would you send him the link? Because he wants to see what some of the top American schools are doing. And they said, yeah, now that wouldn't have, in previous years, I mean, he just wouldn't have been there. He'd be in England. Now he can watch it. Right. So when I talked to my NYU kids last year, because they put stuff up that went out, I was getting calls, as I do at the end of the year, from actors saying, do you know this agent? Do you know this manager? Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. And if I didn't, I would look them up, look up who their clients were and all of that. And what we got was increased exposure from agencies around the country. You know, like people in Atlanta that saw it, people that, and again, with the way auditions are going now, our department got exposure to a whole bunch of agents and casting directors who, unless in other times, unless they physically made themselves, put themselves into the building to watch them, could never have seen them. So that was great. And that is great. And one top school said, we might, even though we're going to do this live, uh, hopefully next spring, we might have a Zoom version that we will send out to everybody in L.A., and save ourselves a lot of money because the kids pretty much have to pay for their trips and all of that big, 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 big expense and just let the people on the other coast watch what they will have been seeing of us in the past couple of years anyway. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the thought that one school has right now. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I think that, that the constraints of the pandemic have really allowed people to get creative with regards yep. to how they're they're going about and and creating work and and this this kind of this leads me nicely to the, the next question that I have here it's uh what are the traits that you have found that were always a sign that an actor was going to do well i guess given your years of experience 
all the various actors that you've worked with, what would you f say are some common threads that you found between the actors who really do find success and who are working regularly? Interesting. The second to last word that you used was working. I found people who had a good work ethic, who didn't feel a sense of entitlement, who were interested in doing and wanted to do the work and would do it tirelessly over and over. Like, I remember how wonderful Adam Driver was when he was in school. And when he did Burn This on Broadway, which, by the way, he did at school. And so, 10 years before. So when he chose it for Broadway, he had already done the role beautifully. But he was now a name, and he was also more age-appropriate and seasoned for the role. But he knew what he was doing. But I was speaking to Adam's dresser while he was in Burn This on Broadway. And Adam had been a Marine. And he said, I have never seen anybody work so hard as that guy. He isn't resting on anything. You know, he's, out, he's a name. He's one of the most in-demand people in the industry. He said he just tackles it and over and over. And I said, yeah, that's him. That's, that's who he is. Um, and Oscar Isaac at Juilliard, you know, I knew Oscar much better than I knew Adam. And he was, he was, he was the same way. I mean, he just, so there's like, Attitude is huge in all areas of life, and certainly this. And then there are other components, like your timing, or, you know, you could get in something that you were great in, but it, it didn't take, it didn't go anywhere. It's, you know, there's all the variables. Um, there was an interesting article in the Times, I guess I think it was pre-pandemic, and it sounds like it would be by the nature of it, but they interviewed all these actors who were in hits, who had been in flops not too long before. And they all basically said, if that didn't flop, I wouldn't be in this. Wow. And I'm getting, a, that was one thing they said. They said, I'm getting a lot more attention than I was there and this is a better show and a better role. The other thing that they said though was they said, even though that other show only lasted a month, that month was enough to get all, was when so many important people in the business came and come to see it. And so I got just the attention that I needed to push me forward. I mean, the first stuff I talked about is is within hopefully an actor's control. What's your attitude? What's your work ethic? Are you really you know, committed to this? Then there's things that you, you know, that aren't in your control, the luck factor, certain how something. Uh, one of my uh, friends, one of my young friends got with probably, I, mean, I don't know if I told this story before, but probably... I would say the most powerful manager in in the business. I mean, he has A-list movie stars, Oscar winners, everything. And he approached this uh, young actor, a friend of mine. So this kind of harkens back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago as well. I said, how did, he, how did he know you? What made him call you? What made him say, I'd like to meet you? He said, he saw, he said, I did this little web series on Vimeo. He said that I didn't even put on my resume because I wasn't that crazy about it. And he saw an episode of that, a webisode of that. He said, and he said, I, I, I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. And then he got on his client list. And I was curious. I said, did he ever tell you why he happened to be even looking at that? He said, no, early on. I said, did he tell you? I said, I'm curious. He said, no, I'll ask him what made him even be looking at that. He said, maybe he goes around just looking at, you know, content in various places. Who knows what triggered it? So the funny thing was, uh, after about a year of being with him, 
with this manager getting great auditions and some really, really good jobs. I said, did you ever ask him, as we talked about it first, like what, why he was on there? You know, what made him look at that in the first place? He said, I never did. And I definitely don't care now. <laughs> I said, no, right. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but does that happen thing? And, and he and I were talking the other night. We were talking Sunday. And now he's with the guy a couple of years. I said, I mean, I said, you, you, ha you I said, you, you worked harder than any, as hard as anybody does. I said, you never complained. You did what needs to be done. You did everything, everything, everything. I said, but the, just the fact that that fluke factor that this particular person saw that and said him, um, we don't know. He said, no, we don't know what, what he said, I don't know. I don't know who I'd be with or what I'd be doing or. He said, but you don't get with somebody like that very easily. I said, you can say that again. Um, I said, but you did in a way. I mean, you did all the groundwork. You were everything that he just, you just, you just, and he does have something. He's different uh, and he's good. Uh, yeah. You, the other thing is when in representation too, you have help from the outside world. Like if you take somebody on that you think is good, um, that you think will appeal to people, that you think will be able to do the job that you think will make money for you, all of those things. When you start sending them out on auditions, you, uh, you're going to hear back. So casting directors are giving that person callbacks or they're not. And if they are, that's telling because you'll get, you'll hear from the casting director and they'll say, he was great. I'm going to bring him in tomorrow or I'm sending this on to the director. I'm sending this on to the, uh, the showrunner. That person made themselves look good. They made you look good. And you're going to make the casting director look good because it's good. So you're hearing that. And then, so if you have somebody who, that you believe in, but nobody's ever seeing them again, you know, you're noticing this. So if you care and you really still believe in them, you will try to investigate it. Okay, come in and audition for me. Let me see your auditions before I send them to anybody else. Let's see what needs to be done because you have the ability, but maybe you don't audition well. That's if you care. There will be people who will just sort of let you fizzle out while they move their energies onto the people who are the keeners, the people who are getting responded to, the people who are getting called back a lot, the people who are booking. So there are um, certainly when you're in this in the agent seat, the world is giving you feedback about your person that's very telling. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. It, it, like it, it's amazing from what it sounds like it, when you when you put in the hard work and and you create work for yourself as well that yes. that you yes. know maybe maybe not always but sometimes there's that possibility that s someone might see it and be interested in then engaging in oh, a conversation yeah. with you it it's amazing oh, yeah. how that happens no it's absolutely amazing like you know as you were talking about people finding solutions and creating their own stuff when I was watching some of the NYU stuff last year that they had to do electronically, they had stuff with like, you'd be there and then, but your scene partner was some animated something or other, you know, some kind of avatar, some kind of, might not even be human. It could just, and, and I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. You know, and um, that wouldn't have been if they didn't have to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been two people on the stage, fine. But this was like, it was exciting. It was innovative. It was uh, creative, obviously. And because 
electronically and by through internet uh, capabilities increase the exponential exposure. Yeah. You know, for all concerned. Yeah, I think it's amazing to, in, in talking about exposure, this this leads me to another question that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out how I feel about, but I would love to, to ask it to you to, to kind of get your opinion. Uh, we have someone who, who sent in a question that, that says, uh, I've got a friend, an actress, who's just received a major media exposure for winning an NDA court case. How might she possibly oh, use the moment to open opportunities? And this this kind of uh, got me thinking about uh, is the, is there ways or or how can actors use exposure outside of acting to their advantage? It, can they use it to their advantage? Because at the end of the day, it's mostly about the the work, the craft of acting. Uh, but I thought this was an interesting question that I thought I'd propose to you. It is. I would, first of all, say in today's climate, yes. I don't know what, again, the legalities of whatever it is are involved, you know. But just talking about the industry itself and that people have have their own ways of knowing how to get that stuff out there and knowing that, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, I'm really fortunate when I hear people sort of disparage today's culture of actors. I, I don't get it because that's not, those just don't happen to be the people I'm around. You know, I can understand the, uh, at least the seeming appeal of it because the content and amount of product is so much greater than it was. So here I was a kid, I might've told this before, and I grew up even before we had three networks. We had two in Providence. We had NBC and CBS. So here I am, a young kid of dreaming of being an actor. And I would see that, which is now in hindsight, not that many people compared to how many people are on television now. And I think, well, I'm going to be one of those. I mean, look at them all. So if I were growing up now and seeing all, all just endless TV, endless whatever, whatever, I would be more convinced than ever that I could be one of them, and you can be, but to what, to what height, you know, who knows? So people are using different ways. I don't know in this particular case what exactly the person would do. And there are people who, who are actually closer to that stuff. For example, I said, I've, I've heard about Clubhouse a number of times, and then the casting director talked about it and said, I found all these. So whoever that person is might say, well, let me investigate Clubhouse and just see what I can, maybe I can get talking with people there. You know, so yeah. this stuff is, as you know, always changing and always uh, there's new ways that some people are just um, extremely savvy about. And that's, that is how, again, there's that old saying, there's a saying within the song uh, from The King and I that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote, I guess, in the 1940s, 1950-ish. And it's in the song. It's a very ancient saying, but a true and honest thought that if you become a teacher by your pupils, you'll be taught. And so because I'm around so many young people, they tell me stuff that I wouldn't know. Uh, so I don't think I, I, I think I think actors are better than ever. I really do. I think they're better trained than ever. A lot of people agree with me. A lot of people wouldn't agree with me. I think the stars were more magnificent in another time, maybe. Bigger personalities, Betty Davis and, 
Marlon Brand. Yeah, you know, yeah. But then again, the business was new. There hadn't been any of them before. You know, there had never been a Betty Davis exactly or a Catherine Hepburn. So, um, so I think the journeyman actors are better crafted. Like if you watch a lot of those old movies or old TV and stuff, and acting was different then. It was st- it was hammier. It was it's cleaner now. So whether you think that's better or not is up to you know one's own opinion. But when you watch some old television shows and some old movies, like it might be a great start. But look at the look at the people in the smaller roles. Um, you know the the doctor who's got you know eight lines, the receptionist who's got five lines, the secretary. All of these, the cop that's got some of those people were terrible. I mean, <laughs> so wooden and awful. You know, it's like that. that that's awful. You know, um, and people, I, people, every generation seems to think the previous generation had it easier, but within that, it's not as black and white as that. When I came to New York, I remember a famous actress saying, I never auditioned. We, we didn't audition is what she said. And that's what I took with me. We didn't audition. But I realized that she had gotten a break early. And back then, every peop, everyone knew who she was quickly. So they would just offer her stuff. Huh, yeah. But she was an exception in that she was as successful as she was. So there were other people around who were, who, you know... So the we our thing is kind of her circle didn't audition maybe because people got to know them and made offers as much as maybe a, a young actor would today. So I have the I you you can ask me Patrick the simplest one or two sentence question and that seems to like set me off for about a half an hour. And right now I just found myself saying what was Patrick's question? <laughs> well, I, I, th- I think what's interesting is like there there is so much uh, packed into this industry, and that's why it's yeah, great to yeah. have have people like your, yourself who are who really help and assist actors with regards to okay, what what do they need to be focusing on? Why it's important for them to get specific and and then how, how they see that through as well. And I'd be curious, I guess, to kind of uh, hone it down a little bit from, you know, kind of these bigger questions I was asking you. Well, if you had to choose one thing to to advise to an up-and-coming actor in order for them to be prepared in their career, what, what would you say that would be? Oh, boy. What one thing would I... You know, that should be... I should have an answer for that. But my mind is like going around and around with some of the cliche things like, you know, train, get around good people, work hard. One thing that I I notice is I believe, I think a small, one thing that I think was easier, and I could be wrong with my generation, was, and I think we might have touched on this once before, um, I think it was easier to make a living as an actor in a way because you just didn't need as much money. I think I had $300 in student loans or something. So there's that. Um, (laughs) And also, yeah, you didn't need as much money. You know, like I would work a couple of days a week on a soap. Sometimes I had a line or sometimes I didn't. But that would be a couple of hundred dollars in 1977. And on $200 in 1977 a week, I could live. I, I still had a job in a bar, but I only had to do two nights a week. And now you see people, you know, with really good education, really good training, 
they're working three jobs. They're walking dogs on Tuesday. They're they're hosting in a restaurant. They've got another sideline because they've got um, you know the economics of it all. You know, so I think people need to be prepared for an economic reality that it may take time. But I've seen some actors a little bit older accepting that they that they might not make a living of it. You know, they have another career that they've worked out so that they can do jobs when they get them. And they'd love to someday be, certainly be able to make, but they're, they're not really counting on it. And also because pre-pandemic, anyway, the, the escalation of streaming and primetime television in New York, I would see a lot of actors that I know who have like a recurring role on a primetime show. And that wasn't possible so many years ago because there weren't that many jobs. Now, granted, there's more competition, all that stuff. But I know a lot of people who would say, oh, I'm recurring on blank, New Amsterdam. I'm recurring on um, uh, Blacklist. I'm recurring on, I've done six, you know. And that simply didn't exist some years ago. No, you if you were recurring, you were recurring on all my children, you know, uh, in my day and well past my, my day, uh, whatever my day was. I don't Oh. Uh, but <laughs> I guess I'd like to think I had one. Uh, the economic realities are uh, like a lot of actors that I knew who did better than I did when I was an actor in the 70s. They would get an off-Broadway play and it would pay, you know, three, $300 a week. And that was fine. And that's all they did. Now, that's why the whole thing with fair wage on stage with equity came and the actors i believe won the won the uh the fight it was like we can't live on this producers you know we have to you have to up the the minimums here and it was yeah. one brilliant young woman because i knew her from school and she never mentioned the school that she went to when they interviewed her on social media she said but i tried to go and she i just a brilliant actress i mean I, I, she's one of those rare people that you just can't take your eyes off. It's like, sort of like Meryl Streep. Everything she did, she did like, made just the right choice and did everything. It was like, it, it. but anyway, the point is, she said, the reason I wanted to go to the school was because I wanted to do good theater in New York. And I knew that in order to do good theater in New York at really, really good theaters, if you're not already a name or established, I had observed that a lot of times they went to one of a few key schools. So I thought, great. And so then she said, I got out of school and I thought, this is all great, but I won't be able to live on what I get at one of those. So she was part of the the movement of fair wage on stage, you know. And then she got yeah. a series regular on a show, which I'm sure was like, was not a goal when I was an agent because TV is better now. But it tends to be the actor's goal and the agent's goal, goal if I haven't said that before, you get a series because that's the thing that will bring in the most checks the fastest. Right. And again, economic realities. People have bills to pay. Everybody's got bills to pay. So those things are not... Um, but I guess that's true everywhere. You bring up a really good point about actors needing to be aware of the, the economics that are involved with, with yeah. pursuing an acting career. It's it's definitely something to figure out and, and juggle. And, and so, you know, with, with all of that said, Brian, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on the Aftercast Oh, it's great to be today. here. It's always great to yeah, see you and talk to you. Al- I hope I yeah, it's sort always- of answered some of those. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I can't, I can't uh, appreciate you enough for taking the time to join me on the show. No, it's my and also my privilege, my honor. Thank you. And also for the the work that you do too. I think that it's really important for actors to develop this knowledge of not only the craft of acting but the business of acting. It's something that that uh, I think more and more actors should should be aware of. So. You know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And oh. where can our listeners find out more information about your, your oh, book, you, your, your um, consulting? Uh, I highly recommend both. So where you, can they you. go um, check it out? Uh, my website is actingasabusiness.com. And that's at actingasabusiness.com. My book um, is Acting as a Business, Strategies for Success, fifth as in five fifth edition uh, great well i'll make sure to include the links to those various resources you, in our show notes so listeners out there all you have to do is scroll down the show notes click those links provided and brian i have one last question for you before we head out i'm wondering if you have any parting words of advice for our actors tuning in today oh <laughs> let's see if you're in new york and you're serious what you should do, I always suggest that actors look up the best off-Broadway theaters and go onto their websites. Uh, and sometimes they have a, a reading series. And when they do, see now it's Zoom. Uh, and sometimes they're asking for donations, understandably, because there's no theater. But in regular times, um, they have free readings. Most of the theaters have free readings. And if you get on their social media and you on their newsletter and their emailing list, you will find out about them. And it just will, it will say admission free RSVP. And they're doing that with Zoom now. That's where you can find where the really serious people are. The new up and coming actors, established actors. I can't tell you how many free readings I've been to where Bobby Cannavale is in. And he's in it because number one, he wants, he's an, he's real. He's an actor. And also at his level, he wants to know what he wants to get on the ground floor of. This helps him make decisions, you know, because he's not looking for a job in the way he's getting offers. So what I always suggest is people start to go out there, meet people, meet playwrights, say hello to them, look them up, follow them on social media, uh, see what they're doing, put in a Google alert. Um, and, and just, you know, we don't shake hands these days, but I would say actors would, would say to me, I don't know what to say, like if there's a playwright hanging out after. And I'll say you introduce yourself by telling them your name. And then if you don't do it, if you didn't like the play, but if you liked it, simply tell them. They they want to hear that. They need to hear that. They appreciate that you're there. They're trying to get an audience for their play. And they go, well, what do I talk about? I say, talk about what you just saw. You know, why did you like, what did you like about what you, I said, you will find that. You will find that. So that's one thing that has continued through Zoom, certainly, and will someday, I hope before too long, be... Uh, so I get the... And the serious ones do it. An actor said to me recently, it was one somebody who had some... What it looked like was going to be a great career. She, she grew up in New York. She was young. She was pretty. She was good. But it didn't quite happen. But she was a bit spoiled because she had an agent who would send her in for everything. You know, she never had to do much of anything. So she wasn't used to it. So when I brought up, and then things changed, they let her go um, because it didn't happen. So when I introduced her to the play, this was all new for her. And when she did a follow-up with me, a very nice young woman, 
and we were working on getting a new agent and everything, and she was talking about the reading. She said, nobody wants to do this. You know, I said, no, that's not, that's not true. I said, a lot of people want to do it. It's not what you're used to, and it's not what you've been around. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you something if we have a minute. There is that great documentary that came out, I think, in 2003 called Broadway, The Golden Age, and it's, any actor should watch it. And then there were some previews, uh, some trailers, some clips of Broadway, The New Generation. And it was the most perfect, and it ties into that story I just told you. It was the most perfect example of perspective that I ever saw. And Alec Baldwin was on it, who's done some Broadway play. I mean, it's not what he's known for, um, but he said in this, he was sitting there, he said, but one thing about today's actors that you can't, he said, one thing they don't want to do is theater. You can't get them to do theater. He said, the, the gym is their theater. And then it cut to Cherry Jones, who was without question a theater actress and an Emmy Award winning actress as well. And she just shook her head and she went like this. She said, Alex, just saying that because he doesn't do a lot of theater. She said, this town is full of kids who want to do theater. And I thought, <clears throat> they don't travel in the same circles. He's talking about maybe Ben Affleck. He's talking about people who are at a certain level. So the problem, and the problem with all of those articles about the decline of the American actor, the death of the American actors, all of those things use the word actor. And what they're usually talking about is stars. Interesting. All of those articles, it was all about why, and I, and I was like, every person in here that you're talking about is a star. A lot of real actors aren't stars. And a lot of stars aren't necessarily great actors. But when somebody like, I think Alec was talking about actors, I, was, I, I think he wasn't talking necessarily about the same people that Cherry was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not necessarily, they're around some of the same people, absolutely. But to say that actors today don't want to do theater, it's like, well, the ones I know do, because that's who I happen to be around. That's who finds me. You know, and the ones Cherry Jones is around do. And I'm not saying that if you don't do theater, you're not a serious actor. I don't mean that. I just mean it's dangerous to say actors won't do theater. It's just, you know. Um, right, right. Yeah. And, doesn't, and doesn't add up. Generalizations, uh, you know, are problematic from the get go because, because of their nature, you know. So the readings, to answer your question a little bit, is find that underground world. And you can meet the most amazing people and so many of today's TV writers, content creators, Amazon, who love, they're playwrights that you've never even heard of, that a lot of people have never heard of. But that's where TV, uh, are, that's where TV is finding a lot of its people. And if you meet them, you can possibly, like if I can just add this in here, there's a TV writer that I know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful writer. And he writes for uh, The Good Fight and the TV show he did, uh, CBS Evil. And somebody asked him on Facebook, I think, do you as a, now that you're in producer writer category and still a playwright, do you, um, how do you bring in people that you know or people from a reading was what he, they said, I believe. And he said, I don't bother the casting office because they know what they're doing. He said, but I will if I see somebody in something um, circle their picture and their, you know, the little, the bio. He said, no matter wherever I see them, he said, and I might give it to a showrunner and say, this is just somebody I think you should know about. And I'll leave it at that. And he said something to the effect of it's pretty amazing 
how often they've turned up on uh, on something in an. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. not an exact quote, but that was that was the upshot of of what he was saying. Uh, yeah, is that so? It's there's so many crossover people, writers from in theater and television these days. And if you get to know somebody on the ground floor, who knows? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of ActorCast. You can head to ActorCast.fm and leave us a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. If you haven't already done so, sign up for our newsletter to get the latest and greatest information on upcoming guests, showcases, and much more. You can also become a member of ActorCast by going to ActorCast.fm and clicking the membership tab. As a member of ActorCast, you'll gain access to exclusive content, including bonus episodes, access to our private online community, and live sessions with yours truly. I look forward to catching you all in the next episode, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create.